I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hi, Kieran. It's been I mean, a while. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's been way too long. Yes. Uh, I have to let everyone know that, like, my house is a construction zone right now, so if there's noise in the background, I apologize. I will have a, like, kitchen that is gorgeous and not under construction as of Monday, um, a, like a week from yesterday. But we're not there yet, so there's noise. But soon you'll have, be able to have coffee not in the laundry room, so that'll be nice and worth it. Yeah, no, now I can dry dishes on something that's not like in a spin cycle and like knocking them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess we can do like a, a 10 second recap of like, we were going to take a month off and we wound up taking like two months off. You've been doing yeah. construction in your house. <laughs> yeah, my household took a roommate trip to Italy and then we came back and have been in kitchen demolition and reconstruction ever since. You also did some stuff. Yeah, um, I went out of the country because we got our residence permits in August. So I went to Spain and we uh, we went to Barcelona. And so I hung out at the beach and that was nice. And then we took the speedy 300 kilometers an hour train to Paris and we spent a day in Paris. And I fulfilled my goal that I set for myself at the beginning of this year, which was to go to Paris and look up the butt of the Eiffel Tower. So I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and it you felt good. I touched the butt. It's it's big. It's great. Uh, and then I... I apologize uh, <laughs> to any French nationals who are listening to this episode. <laughs> just watch Finding Nemo. It's fine. Uh, yeah. And then um, I spent all summer working on an event for the Coalition for Responsible Home Education about parental rights extremism. And so I came back from vacation to get that going and that went well. And then yeah. I lost my voice for a week, which was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were, you were working on that. I was working on my day jobs, like annual fundraiser event. So like we have just been underwater and, everybody thank you for your patience and letting us get season five started and rolling a little slower than usual but it's gonna be buckle up because it's gonna be a ride this year we have uh, a lot of things to talk about and the first of which is actually really current and interesting and uh weston would you like to introduce yourself absolutely thank you both for having me i i feel like we are Fast friends, I've been following Eve on Twitter for quite some time. Of course, I'm just meeting you, Kieran, but I'm super happy to join you both today. I'm so happy you came. I'm so happy this worked out. Yes, I'm sorry too. It feels that, really good. I'm sorry for the reason you're here, but I'm glad you're here. You know, it's uh, the the uh, for better or for worse. All of my like best friends have there's the common thread of trauma. So it's just it's just how it goes at some point. But um, yeah, so I've been following uh, for a while. My background very similar uh, in some ways to both of you, and I imagine a lot of the people listening grew up in a quiverful household, um, fully homeschooled. 
uh, from, you know, like pre-K uh, age all the way through high school. Uh, my parents sort of offered college in, in a form of um, taking tests to kind of clep out of things, but no, <laughs> it was- Clepping, we haven't talked yes, about clepping. It was college plus, I believe is what it was called yep. at the time. Yes, yes, I've, I, so C-L-E-P is the acronym, if you want to Google that. And uh, we have not talked about that, but we should at some point. I'm gonna note that down for this season too. <laughs> A wild, wild world it is. Uh, but anyway, at the time, of course, our impression of college and higher education was really looked down on. I remember we would say, you know, PhD stands for piled higher and deeper. And it was kind of <laughs> oh. a, uh, a weird, yeah, it was like a weird, we'd kind of look down on higher education. So. Even though my parents sort of explored it, it was college and higher education was already kind of demonized. So it was off the table. I was like, oh no, why would I want that? All I need is hard work and to stay in favor with God and everything else will work out okay. And of course, that's what they believed and what they wanted to hear. So uh, just that was my like I'm, educational experience. That's how the world works, obviously. Clearly. That's exactly how the world works. Yeah. Um, I also am the oldest of, uh, there's a total, I have eight younger siblings. Uh, so there's a couple that are adopted and that the layers of being the oldest sim, uh, sibling, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of y'all know what that's like, uh, mm -hmm. raised my younger siblings in a big way, very interesting set of religious beliefs that we grew up in. So we believed parts from like prosperity gospel and like faith healing, you know, you say a prayer and money shows up in the mailbox. Um, you say a prayer and you can kind of magically be healed a lot of uh, fundamentalist beliefs as well. So very, I say the nice word for that is eclectic, but the way I really feel is it's kind of a clusterfuck. It's so, yes. so nuanced. Uh, we were going to a mega church for a while, but then we switched to home church because it was too liberal. So we kind of started nearing it. <laughs> Tales all this time. Yes, of uh, the you know the fundamentalist beliefs of no makeup and skirts and long hair, but then also uh, women were allowed to be in ministry, um, even though that kind of went against some of the other elements of what we learned. And then the whole faith healing prosperity. We listened to televangelist and Joel Osteen right alongside old videos of Oral Roberts and oh, yeah. some of these like majorly traditional elements. So very confusing kind of blend of Christianity, very, very specific to us, but somehow <laughs> relatable to more, more and more people that I, that I find, which always blows my mind. And then coming through that, I came out to my family as uh, not straight in uh, 2018. And that led to kind of a completely severed relationship. During that time, I also was working at a mega church. So I kind of left the small church and thought oh, I'm in the new wide world of a grounded, reasonable, large community that is the mega church. And it felt so much better and lighter and healthy. Oh my God, I'm laughing so hard. Uh, but of course, you're laughing because you know exactly it was just kind of trade one bubble for the next mm -hmm. bubble. A lot of culty stuff. Very strange time. But I left that, uh, was fired from that job, actually. I was outed and fired and then came out mm. to my family and got out of a relationship within like a three month process. Oof jumped into therapy and have spent the past probably like five years just kind of like finding my own path, making my way. I now live out in California with all my fellow blue haired liberals <laughs> and, <laughs> and the, the person that I feared growing up in a lot of ways, but in, uh, in that, and then 
recently, my parents have taken their kind of views from just being, this is how our home is run, to trying to impose those on school board meetings. And in a whole other, we could re- redirect the podcast and talk about that ad nauseum, but they have kind of taken <laughs> their beliefs from internal to external now. And then um, I discovered that via TikTok and Twitter, oddly enough. And then that led it to a conversation with NBC News that published an article along with ProPublica, Texas Tribune, uh, that went fairly big, telling my story and experience of growing up and how that contrasts with the work that my parents are doing to change the education systems in their small town that they live in now. Um, With no, you know, they have no experiences as as educators, have not set foot in a school in at least 30, 40 years. It's not, no. Have zero experience here, (laughs) but are heavily getting involved and uh, trying to ban books and the whole thing. And so uh, that story went broad. And I think that kind of ties up end to end how we all got connected today. So that's, that's me. That's a good nutshell. (laughs) You were on TikTok and I was like, oh, I know this kid. (laughs) We need to talk. (laughs) Yes. You're also the first person I've met whose family's religious beliefs are like, almost the same as my family's so that's spooky i'm like reaching <laughs> through the call and giving yeah. you a hug because it's so it's such a specific nuanced thing it feels like only i could have experienced this it's, it's so, so weird. weird it's so, so weird. specific surely no one else did but i have found over and over again um people have the exact same experience it's like yeah that's such a such a weird and specific mix of, of beliefs that don't match but, I feel like we should start calling it like fundamentalist evangelical syncretism or something because it's so it is such a specific blend and like the proportions of the blend vary from household yeah. to household, but it is the same ingredients. <laughs> yes, like how spicy I saw, I saw is this chili? On, <laughs> I saw someone on I think Twitter say they're like they're no longer referring that to uh these mindsets is like oh it's their theology they're like it's fan fiction or it's, yes. lore, it's christian lore yes. and i was like i'm remembering that yes. like, they're literally just writing fan fiction and like their own lore like amazing good for you but i will not dignify it with the word um theology yeah yeah no like once the priesthood of the, of the believer got introduced everything just went to shit from there um <laughs> <laughs> indeed uh um Okay, so for those who haven't like seen your viral moment, um, want to just recap real quick, like what what the video was, what you said in your response. Yes, so um, back in February, March, my mom had started showing up to school board meetings and making some really wild claims about books containing graphic, erotic depictions of sex being portrayed in books that were being given to children. So really alarming. I think anyone would kind of listen up when they hear that. Of course, in my research, this is completely unfounded. I've been I've been reading through these proposed yeah, What are the books actually? The, and the only ones that they've I've ever heard them talk about are books that are not children's books. Anyhow, So that started getting a lot of traction and it went viral all on its own. Um, A reporter did a story on it and shared and it went out. And this was in, like I said, early part of 2022. I found it in, uh, say, June, July. It popped up on my like For You page and then I saw something on Twitter. It's such a cursed way to find it. 
It is the the most cursed way. It's like worse than having your ex pop up on your for you page is having yeah. your mom pop up on your for you page when you haven't been in touch. Yeah, and not only that, but like specifically saying we need to get rid of like gay books like it just felt so much more personal than like oh that's a weird thing for you to care about it's like oh dude so um found that in what i say june july and i reached out to the reporter who did the original story and was like hey if you are still following this story if you want to hear like i'd love to connect so we connected and that turned into a whole article kind of contrasting the books you're banning 80 percent of them contain queer representation you're doing a lot of convoluting of saying adult themed books are being given to children and and you're kind of getting a lot of traction from small town Texas, but you're you're just blatantly spreading, spreading misinformation. So that article comes out and has a fairly large reach. I mean, we're talking like a online article, went pretty broad and I had some interviews and some follow-ups and um, ended up, I decided to go to the a school board meeting in October of 2022. And so this is uh, building all this context to your question, Eve. Um, So I then decide to go to the school board meeting and speak. And I gave like a two and a half minute speech, um, pretty, pretty short and concise and just said, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. I'm here today because of what my mom has said. And, and just really was begging the board, pleading with them to have representation for their students, to listen to librarians, to listen to students, to listen to educators, to listen to experts, um, not people who are coming from a religious agenda or a political agenda. That's just, we can't do that. And really tying it all up with saying, and this is important to me because um, since I came out to my family 2018, I'm not allowed to go to Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays. And I have contact with one of my siblings who no longer lives at home who has also left those beliefs. No, but the, the other remaining younger seven, they're in their teens, but they don't have cell phones. They don't have social media profiles and I'm not allowed to contact them and, and I haven't seen them or talked to them at all. And so kind of sharing, this is why removing representation, like this is an example of where we get and it, people who are deeply afraid, people who are bigoted, fearful um, and angry, if they don't have the representation uh, afforded to them. So that is where that then also took off fairly large on social media, that speech, because book banning has shockingly and, and very alarmingly become such a huge topic in many states. Yep. But there's been a specific spotlight on Granbury, Texas. This is where, where all this is happening uh, because a superintendent of the school was caught on leaked audio saying, you know, if you're not conservative, you better hide it. This is about transgender stuff. I mean, he was on the record. Wow. Um, Whoa. We love a hot mic. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. And so someone leaked that. And that's why there's been specific focus because a lot of the efforts to ban books, they're tiptoeing this fine line of saying, oh, well, it's just about age appropriateness. And that's the only metric mm-hmm. we're using. Um, whereas they kind of showed their hands and were very clear and undeniable that it was, you know, at least 80% of the, that movement was non-straight representation yeah it's i mean it's it's always this way I'm, they just don't always say it out loud yeah it's just caught saying the quiet on. part out loud that's all <laughs> uh yeah i you know the world i that we grew up in like i could see 
moms from my homeschool community doing something like this. Like I think that like showing up to school board meetings is kind of a new move, but like trying to like control media access for their kids and their community is definitely something that like I'm familiar with and experience like, you know, there'd be, um, you know, months where I wouldn't be allowed to read things because of what I got caught reading the last time or, you know, I'd have, I'd lie about what the book was about because my mom didn't have time to check it herself. And like, I just didn't want to get, you know, punished for, you know, reading something that like, like East of Eden has sex in it. Wow. Definitely like would have had that band if mm-hmm. mom knew what I was reading, but like it's a classic, so it's fine, you know? Mm. Yeah. Growing up, like we, um, it, it's kind of interesting to contrast this because like I, the part of the story I've added was like, I was only allowed to consume, like my family was also just extremely Christian nationalist mm-hmm. um, and, and the gender roles were additionally extremely important to them. So I only consumed, I was only allowed to access or consume media that portrayed, you know, men with a particular sort of set of characteristics and women with a particular set of characteristics. Additionally, they were Christian and they followed very specific storylines. So that was all that I was allowed to access. I had absolutely no representation, at least through the age of 15. And yet, surprise, surprise, my, I still knew who I was. Here I am today very happily in a relationship with someone of the same, like who has the same sex organs. (laughs) And it's really, you know, I'm trying to contrast that with like, I was immersed in this. This is literally all that I knew. Mm -hmm. There was not a single piece of breakthrough media representation, but I still knew all that you really successfully did was force me into extreme isolation, anxiety, depression, and delayed the inevitable. And created these incredibly vulnerable experiences that I was in because I was so poorly educated, even outside of sexual identities. We were not talking about alcohol, drugs, or safe sex. Mm -hmm. And I was in my early twenties learning that marijuana affected you differently than heroin did. And just because someone's offering you, you know, they're like, here's some, here's, you know, these are prescription drugs. That means it's safe. It's not just off the street and not realizing that that's not the case Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just a host of other things. So really trying to encourage your parents that either A, you will break your child's spirit. And we all know the consequences of a child with a broken spirit. It's not good. Yeah. Or you yeah. just delay the inevitable and leave them incredibly vulnerable for the entire duration of them trying to find themselves and you being absent for that process. So how much more beautiful would it be for you to have these conversations with your kids and to create a space where they can learn what they need to learn and do that with you instead of on some, like for me, it was random Yahoo answers.com or, oh, yeah. or random, yeah. you know, like, remember those days? Like, it's a or weird maybe. specific mm-hmm. nostalgia for me, but like finding it there, finding it on a form or learning about something through porn, which we all know is not going to give healthy, medically yeah. accurate, safe education, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where my, I'm saying air quotes with my fingers here, like activism has come into play to kind of add that experience as I grew up in that environment. But Mm -hmm. um, that's like, how are we still in 2022 thinking that a child seeing a queer character is going to throw them into existential crisis about gender identity? 
Yeah. I feel like that's a piece that's often missing from the conversation is just like, this has been tried before and it has not succeeded one single time. Like I wasn't allowed, like I basically only read historical fiction or like religious fiction or like some classics or like anything Oliver North wrote, like Oliver North was somehow fine (laughs) because (laughs) of course, and like all of that featured very straight, very cis, very white characters and like had like just caricatures of like anyone else, just complete character caricatures. And yet I still somehow wound up queer and trans as fuck and like Limiting information to children <laughs> does not. You're going to be what you're going to be, even if you don't have language to describe it. Exactly. I think it plays in part to why they are so partial to doing these, um, like disowning your own children effectively. They, they didn't say that in so many words, but that is what's happened. I can't mm-hmm. be part of the family, but it's, I think it's because they fear what they are. They recognize that they are constantly trying to change other people. They're trying to get in their heads. I mean, my my mom would try to change how people ate and would try to control like how their diet and their approach to health and fitness and wellness would try to influence people's religious choices, what they wore. I remember my mom wrote a letter to an adult friend of ours married with children trying to gently correct her for wearing yoga pants and going to a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> wow. And wow. I think it's also, you know, also uh, tale as old as time. Wow. A tale yes. as old as time. And it's funny, but it's also that is I think that's why these cutoffs are so severe is because they fear what they are and they think, well, if you're not pushing these beliefs on someone, um, you must be um trying to get people to believe that they can be who they are and that they can express Mm -hmm. themselves how they want and that they can do these things and whatever that you're actively trying to, you're still trying to break into someone's mind just with a different set of beliefs. And of course that is something that is concerning, but they, they don't realize um, queer people aren't trying to do that. We're not showing up to the church saying, you know, you can be who you are and you can be accepted and loved. Right. There's this super homophobic like myth that was taught among parenting you know in parenting circles about like oh you know you like people become gay because you know they have effeminate male representation or like the women in the household are like taking Mm -hmm. charge too much and so what you said about like the media limitations regarding gender roles like makes me wonder if your parents always knew that you were gay and they were trying to like course correct, if you will, according to that that you know mistaken belief about how this works, which makes me it makes sense in terms of like her trying to get these books banned. If she still believes that this is how this works, this is how like that gay is catching <laughs> that queerness yeah, right. is you know is something that is not inherent to who you are and is something that you can like acquire just like being left-handed hey if queer is catching then i'm anti-vax so (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just funny. I don't like. I have a million ideas. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Just like, like it's just that's just like that's that's the only way I can make sense of her rationale here. I wanted to ask if your family had been like particularly politically active before, um, or if this is like new. Yeah. So before, like growing up, we. Like they didn't watch, we didn't have the television or we had a TV, but it wasn't connected to anything. So we weren't watching news. Occasionally, very rarely, my dad would listen to Sean Hannity. But I remember that at one point he was like, I have a conviction. I'm not going to watch this anymore because it makes me stressed and angry. And I know that's not whatever. And so oh it was like a God. good reason that he stopped listening to it. But there, we weren't consuming a lot of political content. Then things began to get a little more extreme when President Obama was elected Mm. There was a lot of panic about him being the Antichrist, the tan suit, oh, right. Michelle Obama oh, saying, God, right. you know, I'm finally proud to be an American. They, were, they mm-hmm. took that very personally. Like, how how dare you not always mm-hmm. be proud to be an American? I remember the white supremacy is jumping out <laughs> very clearly. Yes. And so they begin to slowly get more into it. Then by Obama's second term, a lot more panic. We went and bought guns. And wow. Um, at like 17, 18 years old, we bought these guns. We did it through a pawn shop. So there was no paper trail of it. Wow. And, or we did it in some way. So we would avoid or minimize a paper trail. And then of course we kept those guns with ammunition, just sitting on closet shelves in our home with the entire gun education of don't touch these and stay away from them kids. But we, you know, so you kind of contrast that with your conversation. Now they're like protect kids get rid of these books because it's bad for kids. But in our home, we, I mean, I had a Glock 17 just sitting on my closet shelf. Oh God. Yeah. And yeah, so we'll just leave loaded like, guns out. It's fine. You know what, loaded guns like cannot imperil your, your mortal soul, your immortal soul rather. Um, <laughs> like, like queerness can. So like, it's fine. Yeah. And, it fine. Was all motivated. and I, I was also kind of like, what's, what is this going to play out as? Like they believed Obama was going to send feds to take the guns. I was like, so are you going to get in a shootout with the feds or like, what is your thought process here? Let's go Ruby Ridge on this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, contrasting that I grew up, I had friends who lived in Arkansas and I remember their dinner table conversation was if the feds come, we'll go get the shitty guns and give those over and be totally compliant but while I'm getting the shitty guns together, you get on the four wheeler, ride to the creek, and bury the good guns in the water so the dogs can't find them. And then the feds will come, we'll happily surrender, we'll play along, they'll take all our shitty guns, and then once they leave, we'll go get our real good guns back out of the water. And that no one, there was not a hint of irony or a joke to that. They believed that the federal government was going to come to their home in middle of fucking nowhere, Arkansas bring dogs to sniff out guns and take them from them. I mean, that's the kind of level of like fight or flight that they're trapped in. They, they have guns and they have backup guns or not, sorry, not backup guns, decoy guns. Yes. What I don't get is, and I mean that kind of facetiously, cause I, I do understand it, but I, I think we should talk about it is the contrast between the fuck the federal government that that attitude has to, I'm going to go appeal to the school board. I want yes. this authority to be more involved in our children's lives. Like that does not 
make sense. And I think people outside of this world look at that and are like, this doesn't make sense because it doesn't. How do you, how do you explain that to someone who doesn't get it? (laughs) My guess is good as yours. I I think um, a, a big part of that is they realize they can't stop the internet and they realize that some of these broad like media companies and things, they can't stop the representation there, but there's something like, but that library right down the street with those physical books on the shelf, I can do something about that. And it feels tangible and it feels actionable and it gives them a platform. Like you can show up to the meeting, you sign up to speak and you're guaranteed a three or five minutes slot slot Mm -hmm. to make your voice heard. And I think it really, you know, the reasons that they're like, I, I look at my parents and feel a lot of pity for them. They're, they, it's a very harsh example and I wish I had softer language to say it, but they, to me, they really seem like, like a mistreated, abused animal. Um, they're powerful in a way, but they're very scared. And it's like, think about, you know, you've, we've probably seen those videos of like trying to get an animal to eat and trust you and rebuild trust mm-hmm. or reconnect, reintegrate. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I see parallels that that's how my parents are. They're very isolated. They don't really have friends. They're operating from a lot of paranoia and they're just from like a nervous system standpoint, they've been frozen in this fight mode for Mm -hmm. such a long time. And that's even fueled from the biblical layers of the language is extremely militarized, put on the armor of God. We Mm -hmm. wage war, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I mean, they believe their whole context is you are fighting, you're waging war. You have to do all of this. And so bringing that into the school board meeting, it's, there's no qualifications required because my parents have no qualifications. They, they're not going to be able to speak at a conference or an event. They're not influencing anyone. This is literally the most basic level of public forum that they can access. And it touches on that tangible thing of, well, I may not be able to get my TikTok shut down. I may not be able to ban porn on the internet or ban whatever, but I can sure as heck go get that queer book off the shelf. And I think that kind of makes them feel it's like it's something they can do in protecting their community because as, as invalid as their fears are, their response is very real and mm. they're very afraid of those things. And they, I think my parents started getting radicalized towards the end of president Obama's second term. They started getting more involved in tea party meetings. They started mm. mailing tea bags to the government or they were adjacent to people who were doing that. <laughs> I, I, I remember I that. I forgot. Yes, so they were they were part of all of that. And I think it, it scares me now because I think that, um, you know, we look at our previous president's tone, communication style, and I think that has empowered them to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before it was like, no, this is a Christian government. Our leaders are Christian. Everyone's a believer. And they did have a sense of tact and decorum. But I think that now they've seen you can be loud, you can be wrong, you can lie, you can just be messy. And that is acceptable now. Yeah, for mm-hmm. 45 moves the Overton window significantly in terms of what was acceptable public behavior for. Yeah, exactly. So I think they feel very empowered now. And so it, it's a little it, it is something that, that really does make me feel concerned, because I think that a lot of what they're doing now was ideas they latched on to probably eight to 10 years ago. And it makes me really concerned because I'm like, well, what ideas are kind of ruminating in their minds now that they'll be acting on six, eight, 10 years from now. But I do think they feel more emboldened by that. And then also to me, I I do live in a bubble now uh, a little bit being in California, but 
I think it, it reads as very desperate. And so it feels mm. like this last final powerful kick from a horrible dying movement. And at least that's what I hope it is. I hope it's not a resurgence. I hope it is just that chicken with its head cut off. It, it is moving towards its eventual certain demise, but for the next little bit, it's going to be running around like crazy making a scene, but its fate has already been decided. And I feel like this movement, it's that final jolt of energy um, before it gets shut down. And again, here we are like waiting on the results. Yeah. I was going to say for listener context, like the election was the midterms were yesterday. So like we're, we're watching the like people like Fetterman take Pennsylvania and like the, the more like progressive liberals are winning and the more moderate liberals are losing. And like, there was definitely like some clarity on that, that shift. Yeah. It was nice to wake up in Berlin and like, just as the California results were coming in and be like, Oh, it's not the shit show I was preparing for. This is much better. (laughs) As a native Texan, I'm still so heartbroken over Beto. Um, Yeah. It's really sad. And I really did believe that he would win, but there have been so many little wins. I mean, California is codifying laws for reproductive rights and protection. So there's a lot of, a lot of good news. In Michigan too. Like, yeah, we like, there's, yeah, there's good, some huge. good stuff. Yeah. So I'm on camp. Uh, it could be my rose colored glasses as a coping mechanism, but I do feel like a lot of this is kind of a final jolt from these movements and they kind of pick up a little bit of momentum before just crashing. Cause really they, the, the these extreme right-wing groups eat their own. And once you're yeah, no longer yeah. directly valuable, you're discarded. And so I, I've already seen that play out in many ways. I mean, my parents got kicked out of the church they were going to in their small town. Like, <laughs> Raise they, your hand if. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like, it's, it's not, um, it's not sustainable. So I do feel that hope of like, for people who are progressive, stay the course, continue to show up, continue to fight, also take care of yourself. But I, I do hope that arc of progress continues to lean in the, in the, uh, right direction. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing that I kind of want to add to that is part of the like disconnect between, Oh, the feds, but also like you're really involved in your local government is like a lot of like my my parents were HSLDA members and were pretty, like my dad listened to Rush Limbaugh every day. They were pretty politically active. They didn't really go to school board meetings, but they did listen to people who were recommending that homeschool parents run for school board. And very, like, it was not uncommon for me growing up to hear about the importance of getting homeschooling parents on public school boards because then you control how the public education system goes and you want everyone to grow up in your weird little individualized uh christian fanfic bubble and read only the books that you want them to read and not let them read harry potter because we all know shouting latin works (laughs) 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 yeah it's funny too it's like (sighs) i gotta do it's the same thing for like voting like they're running around talking about voter fraud, but then they're also showing up to vote. And it's like, well, which is it? Because if it's all been predetermined, it's like, but yet you'll still participate in the system and you'll accept a result that you agree with. But then if you don't agree with it, all of a sudden it's corrupt. It's like, well, which these both can't be true. You know, it's 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 like the the Presbyterians doing evangelism. Yes. Yes. 
I always grew up like, I was like, they're like the least damaging theology of all the different ones I know. That was kind of, I always mm-hmm. admired them. I don't now at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I'm just I, like, I, I remember. I was like, these I are remember that phase of being like, oh, but this other like denomination is like way more chill. Calvinist theoros have it together. They drink beer and have tattoos. <laughs> like clearly they must right. be fine with me being gay. Little <laughs> psych. Little did I know. I uh, actually had it earlier. You t- I was going to say something about this. Uh, Eve, you were saying like, if your parents, if my parents suspected it or whatever, I like fully, I had a girlfriend. She was part of the Presbyterian denomination. So I, they felt more grounded in like the liturgy, mm-hmm. and, like mm-hmm. high church thing versus like the crazy charismatic kind of unhinged. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to see how, like, it's a testament to, we see what we want to see. Cause I look back and I'm like, Dang, those those closet doors were made of glass. But Wait. my parents were so shocked when I came out. They were like, "No way, you had a girlfriend." Clearly, like you know, it's just it's really funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, slash. I guess I mean I could have been straight passing. If I was, I deserve a freaking Oscar. <laughs> Congrats. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I accept. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're gonna play you off. Um, <laughs> yes, seriously. It just reminds um, me of how I like came out when I was a teenager because I was only allowed to be a boy on the internet. And then even me and some other people were going to have like some kind of like phone Bible study. And I was like, fuck, my voice is not dropped, obviously. So I had to come out as a girl. And now I'm like out in trans. And I was like, the signs were flashing fucking neon. Like how... How did that get missed? I don't understand. It has been me all along. (laughs) The writing was on every wall, everywhere, in bright colors. Yes, yes. It's it's really wild. It's like it's it's really sad too. Because it's like as a parent, how can you just not see your kid in such a huge way? You know, Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. even now, my parents still express a lot of they're they're kind of in those early stages of the grieving process, even though it's been nearly five years where they're just like, we're just shocked. We just don't even know how to process this. We're just shocked. And it's like, how can you I guess it's like human nature. You can get so fixated on one idea of things that you just cannot see anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You get into that like does not compute mode and then just like shut down. Yeah, I think there's also this element of the control over the public school system attempts reflecting how they see kids speaking of not being seen by your parents, just like, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, like parents don't have rights. They have responsibilities. It's like the thing that, you know, Kieran and I and our colleagues at CRAG keep like coming back to. And it's, it, the reason that's so, you know, intensely contrary to everything we grew up with is like the quiverful movement was having kids to like raise up, you know, soldiers in the culture war. And like we weren't individuals. We were, you know, a production <laughs> processing line and for all of their like comments about like public schools are prisons are you know trying to just brainwash you like that's actually what they're trying to do in the home and so like why not take over that system so that you can do it to everybody 
I don't know. Well, that's but that's the only way to get the theocracy. You have to like you can't have some people who aren't part of it. It has to extend outside of the true believers bubble. Right. Because the, if the tribu- tribulation isn't going to happen properly, like some people wanted, you know, you got to go, right. go about it some other way. <laughs> it's really wild. We will make it happen. They, like the, the dissonance and belief, because I mean, we grew up with a, qu- a full quiver, the book and the way home and be fruitful mm-hmm. and multiply how to train up a child variety of other materials like ATI, IBLP, you know, and we were, uh, my parents had from Doug Phillips in vision form, whose mm-hmm. ministry air quotes again, miraculously crashed and burned. That was such a good day. day. That was, it was such that a good was day. A really, like, really good day. S- assaulted, sexually assaulted, uh, someone that worked for him or was on his staff in some capacity, like repetitively over a long course of time. And the ministry came crashing and burning down. But we had a um, the 200-year plan mm-hmm. from Doug Phillips was on our home. And it was all about generational things. And essentially just outbirth the competition. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, by this many generations, you'll have this kind of impact. And it's like MLM, but like for voting. And your kids are the recruits. Yeah, the kids are the yeah. downstream product. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> And your grandkids and your great grandkids, all the way until world domination. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with like, I mean, yeah, that's like the Duggars mindset. I was even mm-hmm. like, not to name drop here. I know this is a big one, but I was friends with the Duggars. Like we grew up around um, and in that environment, and it was like that was very idealized. Have as many kids as you can, and then just mm-hmm. God's going to provide, and it's all going to work out and be great. It's all fucking connected. Yeah. Yeah. And every yeah. ministry we grew up in has has just failed in a very significant way. ATI, IBLP, the head of that ministry, many sexual assault allegations in that ministry is still going, but it's it's not what it was. The megachurch we were in, the pastor, multiple allegations, uh, multiple pastors. I mean, there are a ton of pastors, but many mm-hmm. pastors with allegations. Um a pretty extreme things too, not just like, oh, they embezzled a little bit of tithe money, like usually sexual assaults, um, cover-ups were very common, but ATI, IBLP, Vision Forum, several of the evangelical pastors had big scandals come out about yeah. that. We even were following freaking Tammy Faye, Bill, uh, Jim Baker with oh the whole evangelical oh. thing. Like yeah. it, I, we were on, like we visited, we were like part of a live studio recording for one of the Jim Baker episodes where they're selling like prepper doomsday kits. Like, I don't know how we managed to have this level of intersectionality. Incredible. But we should <laughs> Incredible. In terms of those who might be watching the video of you counter testifying against your mother and like looking at their own, county and local stuff you know i live in fairfax county but like prince william county next door is where mom's sort of liberty is like planning on attending every school board meeting for the next year and it is on their like official website like what you know what would you recommend people do what do you think is like actually going to like be useful do you feel like you accomplish something by giving your counter testimony do you feel like that kind of thing is is a good gesture if people have the bandwidth and the time to do it what do you recommend that's such a good question i think um 
I it's I don't I don't know. It's also new and fresh. It's kind of hard to measure the impact. I know the story that went out resonated with a lot of people, but of course it went nationwide. So I think it resonated with people who are already in areas that are aligned to their beliefs. I think in one way, I actually I do have a lot of hope because I, I think I see how wildly off base these groups are. Like if you think banning books is going to do anything, we we or your kids the younger generation is consuming like digital content at a ratio of probably 300 to one. Mm -hmm. And so while the books are important and the democratic process and the representation and all of what it represents is so important, I look at them and I'm like, fine. Like if you ban the books, you're, you're just so far behind the curve. Like your children are so YouTube already. All the queer theory I learned, I learned on Twitter. Like, yes. Yes. I learned, I I learned the words for being trans on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Like that is where like, and that like, I remember the like, there was for me, there was one episode of one podcast that I found and I listened to. There were like a handful of tweets. There was like recoveringgrace.com, free ginger, Mm -hmm. a few of these like fundy groups. Very hard to find. (laughs) Classics, um, relics at this point. Yeah. But there was no representation, whereas now it's all over the place. And so I'm, I'm weirdly at peace with it, which is not probably the most helpful response because people do need to activate and show up to counter respond to these things. And I, I, you know, I really believe in the power of human storytelling and sharing our individual experiences because a lot of people talk in such broad strokes about culture wars and very vague kind of caricatures, but sharing individual stories so important. So I would say if you are advocating for these rights and you have the strength to do it and you have the mental capacity and you're stable and taken care of and safe. And that is something you can do. We need it so badly, but if you need to take some time off to take care of yourself and keep making it one day to the next, please do that as well. I, you know, countering the monster Liberty, it's, it's a weird movement. It's tough. They have a very defined playbook of what to follow and how to break into these school systems and take them over because ordinarily people aren't paying a ton of attention to school board meetings. Mm -hmm. They're usually business as usual, budget approvals. The decisions are typically, you know, uh, unanimous, like they're very in alignment. So to Mm -hmm. kind of have this thrown at them is um, wild. I think as someone who is not in the education system, I don't know. I would just say like I did in my speech to please listen to librarians, educators, and the students and figure out what they need and ask how you can support them. Because my gosh, they are just light years ahead of what most of these far right-wing people realize these are not infants. These are some of the brightest, funniest, sharpest, wittiest people, and they know what they need. So mm-hmm. seek them out and ask how you can help them. And they'll tell you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is also like, that's probably a really good starting point for people going to board meetings anyway, is like talk to the school librarian, talk to a teacher, talk to a student, maybe even talk to the school board, like your school board member and be like, look, we know this is like what's coming. And like the Moms for Liberty uh, commenting guide uh, is straight out of the HSLDA playbook. Like Mm -hmm. it is what HSLDA used to activate homeschooling parents, still uses to activate homeschooling parents to literally scare the shit out of legislators. And they're Talk doing about that fight response. Yeah. And they're doing that at school boards who are completely unprepared for this because it's a school board. And like maybe it, what they do need is just like moral support in the audience to some or or someone to like mm-hmm. directly spar like, 
you know, ask them like, we know, especially if, you know, Moms for Liberty has published that they're going to go to your thing every month, like build a counter group, like out, I mean, like, love- make, like make signs, wear I t-shirts. Be the Molly Conger of your local school board and just like show up yes. and like support the sanity when it shows up and like document the rest of it when it rears its head. Yeah, it yeah. is really powerful. Something I learned doing like organizing in the Bay Area is it is really powerful to show up to any kind of public meeting and just live tweet it or live tweet it or totally. live blog it or whatever it is going to be now mm-hmm. since Twitter is going to hell real fast. But like just showing up and talking about it live as it's happening and being that person because then other people are like Mm -hmm. oh this is interesting and then sometimes you get people who can like show up or call in or send that email real quick to be like hey uh you know i or my kid are in the school system or whatever and like you should do the thing yeah totally or it could look as simple i think it's you know what i love about this is again i feel a lot of hope i'm kind of in a bubble i'm also operating from like a, a place of a lot of privilege in a number of ways, but I do feel really hopeful because I'm like, the way that you can push back is go to the library and ask what books are being banned and then check the book out and read it. Like that is, that is activism. Yeah. Showing that number like that it has been checked out, that it Mm -hmm. has been used, like that maintains like library funding for those things. Yeah. That's huge. So like reading a book, like, and that's why I'm like, I actually have, I feel so corny for this. I have chills right now just thinking about it. Like that is like, that's my activism is reading a book that's banned. Are you kidding me? It's that easy. Um, that doesn't cost me a cent. That's it, that doesn't cost me labor. I literally walk down the street and go get the book and read it. And that is a form of support mm-hmm. or just joining a GSA. Like, you know, like sometimes showing up is just being present and just mm-hmm. saying, I'm here, I'm mm-hmm. safe. And um, those, I mean, I survived on crumbs of representation. Um, the person that worked at the coffee shop that we never had a conversation about sexuality. They didn't have a pen, but I looked at them and knew there was some sense of allyship. That Mm -hmm. little tiny element, that spark really kept me. I mean, it's probably why I'm alive today and that little crumb of representation. So never underestimate the power. If you're wanting to counter this of just simply living your life, well, holding your head high, showing up in these spaces and offering that. I mean, it's really butterflies and roses, but at least for me, seeing people who could live that life that I didn't think was possible made such a huge impact. That's well, that's meaningful. really huge. Like, especially growing up, like we did, like, I'm sure your parents demonized gay people as like, oh, if a gay person sees you, they're going to like try to, you know, convince you to be gay, like on the spot, like they'll they're just follow you around and harass you. And, yeah. And so- yes. Like one of the most, like one of those tiny little breadcrumb moments that I had growing up was when I was, um, I was 13 and I was going on a trip with my grandmother to New England because I had cousins there. And we went to New York City for a couple days and we stayed at this hotel and it was Novotel and it was one of the like few openly queer accepting hotels because this was 2004. Like, mm-hmm being openly gay was still like not a thing. And so it was a hotel that was like openly didn't discriminate. It was the first place I'd seen with like a rainbow flag. And I saw a lesbian couple in the elevator and I was like, 
like I didn't say anything. I was like, oh no, are these people going to like make me be gay? And they just like held their hands and got off on their floor. And like, that was it. And then I was like, and that broke it. That broke the thing. That broke the thing of like, obviously gay, like they saw me and I was a child and they weren't like, hey, do you want to be gay kid? Like, hello, fellow queer. Come get in my unmarked van. (laughs) Right. No, I remember an experience like that whenever we lived, you know, we lived in the suburbs and there was a um, woman, I remember her name even from the, from her name tag. And my mom decided that this woman was transgender. There was no, I never rec- re- remember, you know, a conversation happening um, or like, I don't remember them wearing a pin or anything that would have indicated that. I think my mom just looked at her and was like, I think your physical attributes mean that you actually have this sex organ, but you're presenting your, you know, whatever. And that was like the first time I remember my mom, like seeing my mom have feelings of disgust and hatred towards another person. I'd never really mm-hmm. seen my parent have that before based on nothing. Like I understood mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, if a bad guy walks in the room, like we all feel that way, but knowing we know nothing about this person they're just doing their job working as it, they worked at two jobs in my city, one uh, bagging groceries at our Kroger and two working at the Blockbuster, which is crazy that we even went to Blockbuster, but every so yeah. often they would <laughs> run the checkout counter. You have um, to get sound of music somewhere. That's true. Yes, exactly. That is true. Okay, Eve, like side note, I owned like my mom unironically bought me a record player and those records to listen to. Which now would mean, I would be like I'm so cool if I had that now, but right. I was like ironically mm-hmm. that was what I had. But anyway, but yeah. I was the first yeah, to realize yeah. that this person is you've one assumed something about them. They've not told this to you. They've not shared this information. You just looked at them and said something doesn't add up. And I believe that this is who you are. Mm-hmm. And watching my parents like have hate and disgust towards someone, even without verbalizing it, my mom didn't start screaming at this person. But, you know, as a kid, I was very in tune with my parents' emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you knew to, to be safe. that a lot. To be safe, to survive. Yeah. Um, and I knew that there was this disgust and hate. For someone now, I look back and go, they were probably minimum wage, maybe a few dollars above, bagging groceries and working at Blockbuster. And yet out of your day, you are radiating this hate and, and looking down on and judging someone that you have absolutely no basis for that. And that's but started breaking down my views of Christianity. It was like, this is so like antithetical to what Christianity is supposed to be and what we're called to be and all these things mm-hmm. is how dare you judge this person? Like people look all kinds of different ways. This could have just been some random woman, like their sexuality was none of your business, not something they identified, but you just decided hmm, you don't look right. And therefore you're less than. And so it's like, I credit my parents for breaking the illusion because that, that came from them. It wasn't a yeah. book or a representation. It was mm-hmm. seeing hate held up and thinking i i'm not going to live like that yeah that's really that's really telling yeah a lot of what comes up with my therapist is she's like you know like your parents didn't have any of these things and yet somehow you have like compassion i'm like yeah i learned how not to have friends i learned how not to treat people i learned how not to like be an asshole from watching my parents be terrible shitty human beings and deciding that like that didn't that never felt good like it always felt like they were angry and upset and felt and i'm like this i don't want to live with like that feeling like why can't people just exist 
Yeah, I I feel that the same. It's it's crazy too that realization of like how freaking narrow our world was because we grew up looking down and judging people like we were fat phobic if they didn't mm-hmm. eat right if their mm-hmm. body size like their body size was something we attached morality to yeah gender identity and expression sexuality skin tone we weren't on the nose you know your skin doesn't match mine so i hate you we we weren't um smashing people's cars and screaming slurs in the streets but we were still if not racist, white supremacist, pick pick which label you think is better. They're both equally horrible. So it's like we look at all these different ways. If they weren't Christians in the way that we were Christians, you were mm-hmm. bad. If you listen to music that wasn't hymns or that wasn't um, instrumental or wasn't expressed. Oh, yeah. Expressed you listen to music with a beat? With a beat, yeah. Oh, did no. it it. Any one of those things was we looked down. I was like, what? how bland is the world that you want? If it mm-hmm. was your ideal world, how... Mm-hmm beige and uh depressing like who wants to live in a world like that yeah not me not me it was not my stuff this has been really amazing thank you for joining us and we need to have you on again to talk about a hey, I've billion other box. things because oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I am ready to I am ready to ramble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk faith healing. We'll have you back. Yeah. Oh my god, absolutely. There's so I'll much source. here. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you for making time. Thank you for you know being open with your story and your journey, and thank you for going and showing up and testifying against your mom and you know having that framing make made more visible to the rest of the world really appreciate that work yes like kieran thank you for having me i enjoyed every minute of today's conversation i'm so glad thank you everyone for listening and for your patience and uh get ready because season five is going to be it's going to be fun (laughs) wesson if people want to find you and and say hi or support you where should they go well, for now, I am on Twitter at Weston Brown, and you know we'll see how long that lasts. But that's where I am for now. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. <laughs> Comedy is still legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.